Hello, and welcome to the Sensi Lab Creative AI podcast, episode 13. My name is John McCormack. I'm the director of Sensi Lab, and joining me at the console today, physicist and PhD researcher Nina Radjic. Hey, Nina. Hey, how's it going? Good, I'm good. And a man who has recently changed jobs, no longer Sensi Lab app developer, but still deep learning expert and 10x engineer, <laughs> Dilpreet Singh. Hey, Dilpreet. Hey, hey. I like the new title. You yeah, do? Yeah. Do you like the new job? Yeah, it's great. So it's better than working at Sensi okay, Lab? Yeah, Is right. that what you're saying? Big questions early on. This um, will be the last episode that Dilpreet will be <laughs> appearing in. Uh, All right. That keep that quick. to yourself. Keep that to yourself. Today's topic. I've just come back from Linz in Austria, the beautiful uh, city by the Danube, for the Ars Electronica Festival. So for those of you who don't know about Ars Electronica, it's a huge festival of art, technology and society. So it tries to mix those three things together. And in the sort of classic European tradition, it's a festival festival. It's a whole lot of art exhibitions, performances, uh, there's talks, presentations, and it's hugely popular for the city. It's really allowed the city to become sort of the number one destination for this kind of thing. And it attracts about, I think this year there were about 110,000 visitors. Yeah, I've got some stats. So they say they broke a bunch of records of five days, 16 locations, 501 exhibits, 548 individual events, 1,400 artists and scientists from over 45 countries. Yeah, including me. <laughs> and it is pretty overwhelming when you get there. Like those 500 events, I don't know how many I saw, but just sleep deprivation and jet lag prevented me from staying up all night because there's stuff happening like 24 hours. So is it spread all around the city? Yeah. yeah. So the city is, it's, it's a fairly small town. It used to be a sort of industrial steel town. And it lost out tourism to like Vienna and Salzburg because they've got, you know, Mozart and music mm. and all that stuff. But since they had the festival, it's the 40th year they've been running it. Yep. So it started wow. in the late 70s. So it's a, a big historic landmark for them to go for 40 years of running this festival. And they basically utilise all of the public spaces, not necessarily every year, every space every year. But this year they had, there's this giant former post sorting centre that's by the train station. It's absolutely massive. It's it's got all these underground labyrinths and they've still got all of the postal sorting machines and things in there. So it's like this kind of derelict abandoned warehouse. It's got a real kind of gothic-y vibe. Nice. And they've tried to beautify it by putting in like corn plants and, you know, a lot of greenery and stuff in there. But they fill up all the floors, even up to the roof with exhibition material and things. So it's it's huge. It takes you more than a day just to wander around that. And that's just one venue. And, you know, there's the major gallery there, the Lentos Museum had a retrospective exhibition, the um, Ars Electronica Centre itself, which is a permanent museum for art, technology and society, has all the stuff that it has throughout the year, mm. but with some extra things happening there too. One of the highlights for me this year was the monastery at St. Florian. So I've, I've actually been there a couple of times before they've used it in the past, but this year they focused a lot of the AI and music aspects in mm. this monastery, mm. which is apparently there's only, I think, six or seven monks left in this massive wow. monastery. It's not small by any standards. It's huge. And there's a huge church with amazing acoustics. We'll, we'll play some examples for some of the performances in that later. So, yeah, it was it was really fantastic. I mean, they've got these great venues and they're lucky enough that the monks who are there, I think the average age is 65 or the youngest <laughs> is 65. So, but they were kind of wandering around in their robes amongst all these awesome. sort of, you know, European trendy art 
people and um, geeks like me and uh, everyone else who was there. So it was it was really good fun. And if you get an opportunity to go, I thoroughly recommend it. Mm. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it is. So I thought we'd sort of focus the discussion on um, some of the AI aspects because, of course, being a festival of art, technology and society, there are lots of <coughs> AI works, lots of discussion mm. about AI. Is that the theme this year? No, it wasn't the theme. The theme is a good point. The theme was the midlife crisis of the digital revolution. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. Yeah, which I don't like. You like it? Don't, well, I... I kind of agree. I guess so, you know, it's their 40th year, so that's sort of midlife, I guess, or maybe it was 10 years ago. Now it's 40s, the new 30, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Let's go with that. So but, uh, anyway, yeah, so it's supposedly the midlife crisis. So what can we do to get out of the rut that we're in? But I didn't really get that sense that many people were talking about that topic. Yeah, I didn't pick particular. that up at all. No. There was a lot of discussion around society, the societal impacts of technology, so the way that AI has affected people's rights and responsibilities. Mm. And certainly in Europe, there's a lot more political activism and legislative activism yeah. surrounding privacy. Mm. And of course, we know the EU kind of leads the way because every time you go onto a website now, you've got to accept oh, cookies and everything. Thanks, EU. <laughs> why, are you, why are you shaking your head? It is the worst thing. I mean, I love the EU and what they do, but that cookie pop-up. <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather them have not done anything about it than for me to have to click OK. Well, like, you, do, you be, don't have the option to not accept the cookies, do you? Yeah, no. It's just like it's just in your face and you got to press OK. Yeah. And if mm. you don't, it'll just stay there. Mm. It's just. I think they should reverse it. They should have a pop-up that says, hello, this website doesn't use cookies. <laughs> and okay. then you'd never, you'd never <laughs> yeah, get never to see, see that. It. Yeah. 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 So anyway, but they, they do have, there's a, a lot of European commissions looking at the ethics of AI, the rights that people have to privacy, to freedom of speech, to bias in AI and all those kinds of things. So mm. I found those discussions really interesting. So they had panel discussions around that sort of stuff? Yeah, or? they had some panel discussions. There were a lot of individual presentations on a theme and that mm. was presented. Another thing I really liked, uh, a lot of people complained about, that was presented in the round. So there was like a big sort of donut shaped area of seats all focused on a person in the middle who's giving the presentation. Oh, so they had cool. people looking wow. at them from every angle. So the great thing about that is being in the round, you get to see the audience and you get to see the presenter no matter where you mm. Where you are, oh, although yeah. if you're in the wrong seat, you just get to see the back of the presenter, not not the front. But they had a whole series of monitors to close-ups on their faces and everything. So <laughs> anyway, apart from the presentation or the way that was presented, the actual topics were really interesting too. So there were a lot of discussions around how to sort of circumvent all of the in intrusion that digital technology has into your life. So another really interesting initiative is a thing called the STATS initiative. It stands for Science, Technology and the Arts, I think, S-T-A-R-T-S, STATS. Mm, yeah. If I say it with a German accent, STATS, it's probably <laughs> slightly better. Um, and that's an EU-wide project that's sort of meant to, I mean, I guess it's like that STEAM kind of thing, meaning, meaning trying to link creativity, arts with technology and engineering. Some of the winners of that were really amazing. So there was a device, I don't know if we've ever spoken about it before, but Dilpreet, yeah, no. you know about this one? The thing that sits on top of your Google Home or Project your- Project Alias. Project oh, Alias. Oh yeah, that was so cool. Yeah. That's a great name. Yeah. Which sort of looks like someone got uh, an ice cream yeah. from an ice cream cone and put it on top of the- So um, how does it work? So the idea is 
basically, well, the problem that that the artist was trying to solve, or artist, two two artists, there were actually two designers from Denmark, I think. Okay, yeah. So these things are constantly listening, right? They're, mm. they're always sort of listening for either the wake word or just, yeah. but continuously listening. Yeah. So the idea was to sort of take that away from things like Alexa and Google Home. So this device would sit on top of your Alexa mm. and you could customize the wake word for it. So you could call it Dave, for instance. So you would say, hey, mm. Dave. And when this, um, it was like a Raspberry Pi powered yeah, device. So, yeah. so when it would recognize the wake word, it would then let audio through to the <laughs> Google Home. But until it heard that, it would sort of block out. I think it right. plays noise into the plays speaker noise to the system. or into oh the microphone. God, so I it was that. essentially, yeah, like a, I think they called it a well. parasite. Yeah. 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 Wow. I thought really, it was actually just kind of more like a conceptual thing. That, I didn't realize it was actually tech, like work tech. Yeah, te- it like worked. Technically like worked. A, so they were there and they gave, gave a talk about it. And, you know, someone asked the question, well, are you going to actually manufacture it? Where can I buy one? Because mm. everyone wanted to buy one. They mm. said, well, we're not really, you know, I think they were kind of like students maybe even, but mm. or just they're quite young designers. And they said, look, it's more of a provocation. We're not trying to actually make money out of out mm. of this. But I think it's a really beautiful provocation. And, it, it you know, it's kind of aesthetically beautiful and yeah, it's, it, it kind nice. of counters the sleek aesthetic of the Google Home or your mm. a- Amazon Alexa or your, even your app. What's the Apple one called that no one buys? HomePod. HomePod. Um, <laughs> like they had like photos where they had like fungus growing on it and yeah. like caught them kind of like warping it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of based on that wow. amoeboid that yeah. just kind of parasitically lives on the top. <laughs> yeah, so that was great. There was another work again. There was so much Gan art and what? yeah. Oh, know. we know John loves Gan art. I was there was a lot of eye rolling from me. Uh, Everybody else was loving it though. They're cheering. Wow. <laughs> I I didn't actually get a chance to speak to that many what people. What was there? Oh, there was every kind of piece of Gan art that you can imagine, like all the big names in oh, Gan. Oh, okay, okay. Mario Klingerman. Mario. Helena Oh, actually, was Mario's the work there? I don't think Mario was there, actually. Okay. Anna Riddler's work was there, which I do I like, so I shouldn't say we yeah. bash all, <laughs> all Gana. And yeah. she won an honorary mention, I think, in the Ars Electronica Prize. So that work was great, the Tulips work, mm. which she's showing around a lot. There was, who's the Turkish artist who does all the architecture stuff? I've forgotten his name, but he's everywhere. Didn't really find that that great. Gans. Yeah, he does He does everything with, he just trains. It's basically, he's a one-trick pony kind of <laughs> Maybe we should erase Sounds that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a bit it's on the record now. <laughs> there were lots of face, you know, like yeah, face, face scans. Well, I didn't see any of this on the, the blog post. No, I think they chose not to highlight those works. Because they're kind of yeah. like everywhere, right? They the do. one click download. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit over it already. You're over it too. It's Yeah, it's been it's like a year. It's taken Nina a little bit longer. <laughs> But, yeah. but I know I found out about it maybe a year ago. Now I'm like, okay, I'm over this. Mm. Did you see? But they still keep going. Two weeks ago, there was this thing called the Gan, Gan portrait, which would it was like style transfer, but done using Gans, where it would, you could take any portrait or any photo with a person's face visible, and it would like create a really uh, realistic looking Renaissance painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they they don't stop. People are still... Yeah. It's just like, you know, Photoshop filters were 20 years ago. So there were a lot of those. I You know, there was nothing there that I thought, this is great. Any interactive ones? Um, Yeah, there were some interactive ones. There were some that did sort of wordplay, but, you know, nothing that really stood out to me as being a a big step forward. Mm. It was more just like more and more of the same. 
The interesting thing is too, so they, uh, the Ars Electronica organisation have a permanent museum in Linz, which is open all the time, not just during the festival, it's open all through the year. Mm. And they've devoted, they recently got some money to renovate the whole museum. They've got a whole floor devoted to AI. Mm. And the exhibition is very good as an educational exhibit. It's right. quite advanced. I think you have to really, for a child to go in there and try to understand, I think would be quite challenging in a lot of cases. So one of the things I thought was fantastic was they had a whole convolutional neural network, every layer of it on a screen, on this big panel of screens in real time showing you. So you could put an object under the camera and oh, it would wow. show you every layer of the CNN and in pictures, what? like every yeah, yeah, yeah. pictures for all the layers to when it gets to the decision about what the object is. It's mm. like it shows the softmax layer at mm. the end and all the... That's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Like it was that. really cool. Very, and obviously a lot of work for whoever programmed it and it all works mm. in real time. So sort of the visual dimension of seeing, it's like, it's like seeing a computer brain mm. kind of splayed mm. out functioning in real time in front of you. Yeah. That was great. And there was a lot of, you know, they, they don't shy away from some of the controversy. So there was a, there's a very famous paper published by a group of, um, I think Chinese researchers who looked at a whole lot of criminal databases and had a, a GAN that classified, oh, sorry, it wasn't a GAN, it was a, just a CNN that mm. classified whether you were criminal or not based right. on just your face. Yeah, right, right. Caused a huge amount of controversy. Yeah. Right. And, you know, a lot of it sort of post-analysis showed that probably just, just because the people in the mug shots are just tense or then, mm. you know, because yeah, they're yeah, being yeah. hauled in front <laughs> of the police and they're, you know, getting a mug shot taken so but they they actually even have a link to the paper on archive and everything so you can read the paper there yeah. so i sat there reading the paper <laughs> this is interesting so yeah the exhibition is good but i do wonder if it will appear a little bit dated in a few years time because everything's moving so fast the and also of ai yeah in terms of these networks evolving, yeah. yeah so i don't know if they plan to keep i'm sure they'll they'll kind of update it but mm. you know it's not easy to create these big display yeah mm. also the the cnn breakdown that is i think we're going to get to a point where you won't have screen enough room to display each yeah. layer of a network right? they have mm. like i think there's like 12 or 15 screens or something like that. it's big it's, you can yeah. you can look at it on their website and mm. you, can, you can see a picture of it and it's meant to be explanatory it's not yeah, meant yeah. to be the the biggest cnn that's available mm. so I thought it was a really interesting way of getting people. It'd be great for you know people learning yeah, learning AI to to visit. Yeah, so that aspect was really good. There was also a big emphasis on music. So the part of the Ars Electronica Festival had like a kind of sub festival, which was called AI Times Music. Oh yeah, which was sort of one of the reasons why I went. Apart from being the 40th anniversary, I thought this would, this would be really interesting mm. to go to. And the first day of talks were neither about AI or music. So. On the first day, I was getting <laughs> really disappointed. Well, they were just about theatre or VR in theatre, and it was still under this AI music thing. So it wasn't about music or AI. Right. I was almost going to put my hand up and say, well, when do you get to the music AI? Because that would be a bit... This is a big lead. Yeah, they're just leading up to it. that rude Australian guy. <laughs> the Saturday, the, they moved the festival to this monastery, St. Florian, which mm. I mentioned earlier, and there was a lot more stuff there, a lot of music performances. Mm. There was a lot of startup companies too, a company called Endel, which is using AI. I think it's using AI. It's certainly generating music in a smartphone app that's based on your mood or personality. Generating music, not just selecting songs. I think so, yeah. Oh. Do you know how they get that your mood? Is it your Twitter feed? 
<laughs> um, should probably look it up actually, <laughs> rather than guessing. But it's called Endel. Endel. We have, I think, we have mentioned it before. Yeah. Okay. So Endel creates adaptive sound environments to give mind and body to what it needs to achieve total immersion in any task. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it has like focusing modes, relaxing modes. It's kind of like, yeah, like background music. Yeah. And since the yeah. core algorithm is based on circadian rhythms, pentatonic scales, which is pretty simple in music terms, and sound masking. It would just be heart rate or something, right? I think it's looking okay. at sleep. Location, weather, and heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But it seemed like a nice idea yeah. to me. And I, th- I think they've been fairly successful. And mm. there was a lot of other music startups. It seems like music and AI is a pretty big thing at the moment, as we well as we here know. And there was a lot of music performances that used AI, which I thought were interesting, although perhaps not everyone would find them listenable. Mm. You have some recordings, right? Yeah, I do have some recordings. I'll play them in a sec. I'll just, one thing I did want to talk about was there was a great meeting of minds there too. So one afternoon panel included uh, Francois Pache from Spotify mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Douglas Eck from Google Project Magenta. So they're probably the two big yeah. commercial music and, and machine learning teams working globally yeah. at the moment. So they were both on the same panel, which was great. And the discussion, I th- you know, everyone, I, I actually um, met up with Francois before and I said, you, is this going to be a battle? Are you going to, is it gloves off? Yeah. <laughs> Debate. And, uh, you, know, up. N- you know, it was like, oh, we disagree with everything, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> so there was no disagreement between them hardly at all. Uh. I think one thing that they, they did say that was really good was they really put a curb on the whole idea of it, you know, like kind of taking people's jobs, music. As like yeah. replacement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, but like... Did you you should have probed Francois on this. Spotify does seem to want to create sort of the ambient music itself. So yeah. like the stuff that plays in cafes and stuff mm. like that, you know? They're paying royalties on that. And I don't buy the fact that they're not training algorithms to replace. Music. Look, I'm sure they're wanting to make back on their investment. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so some of that I think is music tool. So, I mean, the project that Francois presented in another session was the one that he's been working on for quite a while. So he's, he works with um, um, some musicians who are quite famous in, in France. And a lot of it is sort of just, it's it's really the equivalent of style transfer. So uh, right. reading in a lot of stuff in in existing music genres and sort of reapplying them. So you did go through mm. the process of how a whole song was made. And a lot of it is really, it's it's not just like you press a button and the AI spits out the Complete, song. Yeah. There's a whole lot of components to it. There's a lot of human in the loop, to use that cliche. Yep, There's yep. a lot of choices that are being made. There's a lot of rejection of what the AI kind of comes out with until yeah. you, you land on something that works. And then, of course, they have professional musicians and producers and, you know, serious musicians who are, producing and creating the track. But one of the things that he said, which I thought was really interesting, was that, you you know, he, he, he was talking about evaluation because always in academia, you know, evaluation is a big thing, you know, prove that it's, it's yeah. actually better yeah. or that yeah. it's doing this. But he said in the real world, the pinnacle of evaluation is if a really well-respected artist wants to put their name to a track that an AI has generated, which I think is a really good mm. point. So I was, thought you were just going to say money. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, well, probably that too. <laughs> um, but to, for someone you know, like a, a, an artist who is well established and famous, is not just going to put their name to anything because their reputation is really what yeah. gives them their their credibility, both right. musically and probably ultimately financially as well. Mm. So for them to say, "Yeah, I'm happy to say this is my song," mm. 
means that the AI has been successful. Okay. Also, I wonder, you know, in Spotify's Discover Weekly yeah. or Taste Breakers, I wonder if they can start sneaking in AI-created songs and see if people skip. <laughs> I'm you know? sure they, oh, yeah, that's they a could. Good right? Like, that's a pretty good evaluation of, like, oh, people don't seem to be skipping the song. Like, they yeah, seem yeah. to think it's, like... Well, <laughs> I think a lot of their revenue comes from people like, you know, gyms or yeah, um, shops or cafes that have just got a playlist on streaming. Mm-hmm. So they're not, you know, all they want is just, you know, it's kind of background continuous music. Yeah, yeah, continuous play. So I think in those situations, there's probably a good opportunity for, for them to largely not have to AI generated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though the royalties they pay are so tiny anyway. But I guess if you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of cafes or gyms or whatever it is that are streaming constantly or supermarkets or whatever mm. it is, then, you know, you, you can save considerable amount of money mm. by not having human artists involved. But Absolutely. I think when it comes to writing good music, then what people who, you know, would think of as good music that they actually want to listen to rather than just have playing in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the, the quote was, we need to worry about that like we need to worry about overpopulation on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, if you talk to Elon, that's coming soon. Yeah. So that's knows? true. He's, he's, worrying, he's worrying about it. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's what you might call an AI optimist. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think there was a little bit more AI pessimism. Oh, yeah. Did they talk uh, yes. about the future of AI music? Like, is it just going to get more real in its mimicry, even if it's not perfect generation? No one was bold enough to make, make that money. claim. I think they were more concerned with both both uh, Douglas Eck and, and Francois Pache were both more talking about well, what they're doing now okay. what, and that's making tools, which they say are for musicians to mm-hmm. use to help them and you know to enable them to create music that they wouldn't have been able to create otherwise, but still something that they're proud to say is theirs. So I guess the other adjunct to that thing about, you know, saying that I'm I'm happy to say this is one of my pieces is that you must feel some sense of ownership yeah, to it as well. You, you had a hand in making it. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you listen to them and you believe the hype, it's all good, right? It's, uh, you know, <laughs> there's nothing to worry kind of about. Nothing to see here. Nothing to <laughs> Google see here. and Spotify. Better music for everyone. <laughs> Promising the world that yeah. they're going to help you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think they, they uh, certainly those researchers are legitimately yeah, trying yeah. to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a bit of a win. Let's, well, maybe let's listen to a couple of tracks mm. just briefly so there was a big concert one evening in as i said in this monastery it's in this amazing church massive church with apparently acoustics that often orchestras come to record in because the acoustics are so wow. great wow. the first one i'll play so one of the performances was a work done by a group at yamaha and they were really interested in the piano style of Glenn Gould. So I don't know how many people are familiar with the music of Glenn Gould. He's a very famous Canadian yes. uh, pianist who had a very uh, kind of eclectic style. Anyway, they're trying to use the training in AI on some of his performances to replicate that. So was it actually like a robot playing the... Or was it- no, they had a they had a piano just... Um, playing. Playing, just playing on, just, on its own. Oh, my God. Yeah, so this big Yamaha... We're, we're listening to it now while I'm talking... This big grand it's like piano with, and it's a, uh, op- you know, it's mechanically operated. Yeah. So all the keys are kind of going down, but there's awesome. nobody yeah. sitting there. You can hear all the people talking as well. This is a great recording. It's best enjoyed with headphones. It is best enjoyed yes. with headphones because it's what's known as an um, binaural. binaural recording. So I was walking around with two 
Microphone stuck in my ears. Looking super cool. Stuck yeah. in your ears. Well, they're very discreet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, you get the idea with that one. That's probably why so many people are talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yamaha actually, I was when I was looking up this project, they also did another project where they converted a dancer's movements into piano. Like they had a translation, so they had a dancer perform with like four motion sensors yeah. on the dancer and then they were converting those in real time to MIDI and then having a piano translate movements into music, yeah, which was pretty cool as they've, well. They've also got another project that generates like an animation in real time according to the music, which was pretty interesting. Oh, nice. It's in a very kind of playful Japanese style, mm. but it was actually generating animation in real time wow. um, with the music. So, yeah, certainly they're a company that's very interested yeah. in AI and they've got an internal team working cool. I didn't know that. on mm. that. Yeah. But still in the monastery, this is the highlight for me. I'll just I'll start playing it and talk over the top. You can you can <laughs> kind of hear it. Was it was a performance piece? Uh, it was a Japanese musician. I should look it up because I've forgotten. Maybe Dupree can find it <laughs> while I'm talking. Type in Japanese musician. <laughs> uh, but he had there was a um, a Buddhist singer who was singing on, over the top and with visuals done by um, Justine Emiad, who we've featured on our blog, mm. uh, French artist. He works in Japan a lot. That was fantastic. It was really kind of spiritual and moving and in this massive church, even though it was a completely different religious experience than the church was designed for, the sound was really amazing. It was super reverby. So what was actually going on here? Like, This is just the start bit, I think. I don't think you'll hear him sing on this recording, but... Um, is it Maki... Namikawa, no. Uh, I'm just picking Japanese musicians <laughs> from the Ars Electronica website at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. Nobody listens to this podcast for its accuracy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't think I, yeah, I, I got him singing, but the singing was great. It was, was really fun and the visuals were fantastic too. So really, I, that, I guess that's what makes the festival is the locations were, were yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and I've just got, I've got one other recording, which is this um, piece... Uh, again, Dupreet, I'll call on you to if you can find out who who did it. I don't think you can. Oh, um, it was, <laughs> information. It was, it was two horn speakers. It was in it was oh, in yeah, the yeah. it was in the courtyard outside the monastery, and there's these two speakers facing each other with these voice synthesizers. Oh yeah, I kind find of this. talking to each other. But uh, did you not? Know, do you didn't know the name, John? I could I could look it up if I done my preparation for this <laughs> podcast because I've just come back from Austria and we're busy writing Kai papers very at the busy, moment. Very busy. Uh, I haven't had a chance to... Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's been all right. Yeah. So this... So you've got these two speakers about, you know, about, what, 10 metres apart facing each other, like horn speakers. So they're two of these white horns. It's visually very arresting, just in mm. the middle of this beautiful sort of orchard with apples growing in it and stuff mm. like that. And they're just triggered by one another's... Yeah. And so, but what are they say? What I don't get. It didn't make any sense to me. I don't okay. think. Yeah, I, they're just making. Yeah, I just want to know why, why, why they're interacting. Like, what are they saying, and then why? Yeah, they're if responding? I if I could remember reading the blurb, the didactic panel, I could tell <laughs> you. But <laughs> when there's 500 works, it's hard to keep them all in. in your yeah, head. yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I like this one though. It yeah. just reminds me of Sims. <laughs> Sims. Yeah. Why? You know when Sims walk up to each other and they just like start talking oh. to each other and they just kind of stand like. Awkwardly by each other, then it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that, actually. That's, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I didn't didn't think about that until you said it. 
Anyway. <laughs> right, it's called The Sims. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there were a lot of other beautiful, just kind of a computer-controlled acoustic music works too, you know, using there – a, there was a work that heated these glass tubes that just made these beautiful sign tones, but it was in the crypt in the – monastery and so of course wow. it just reverberated oh, throughout what? so you, you could be walking amongst all of the caskets of the old monks in this what crypt and you just hear these eerie kind yeah. of sounds you record, you awesome. record this. i think i did but i i, I didn't i haven't got it here yeah. it was it was yeah very beautiful very simple these these couple of sign tones but the the sound is generated by heating the tube putting it like a like an electronic like you'd find in a toaster almost mm. but cur- yeah, yeah. like a curled wire that heats up to very hot and it causes the air to move through the tube and the tube to oscillate. Right. And then the tube wow. changes angle and it's got a, it was discovered by a physicist in the 19th century, I think, this technique. Mm. Anyway, there's like about 10 or 12 of these tubes and they're all just sort of randomly heat getting turned on and turned off and making this kind of ongoing eerie cool. composition. It was really, <laughs> so really good fun. So even though the AI music festival didn't start with as being the most promising sounds no. like it ended up being pretty awesome it was yeah. pretty good yeah and there was i think the thing that was nice about it was there was a mixture of you know tech talks so mm. and and the sort of top people in the world mm. uh there were lots of really interesting quite obscure music performances which kind of put another perspective on it and uh the location was fantastic like you know the acoustics and the quality of the presentations i th- I think that's another thing that, you know, given they're putting on a large number of works, they really try and make an effort to present the works in the best quality and the best environment, yeah. particularly with sound works. Often when you've got a lot of sound works, you know, they're always interfering with each other mm. or the acoustics of the space are terrible. Yeah. Whereas putting in the monastery was a real masterstroke because it had great acoustics that really added to the mm. to the quality of the works and yeah. the, the kind of experiential aspects of it too because you're wandering around this beautiful old monastery and, you know, there's this this juxtaposition of these super modern techie AI works in there in an institution that's hundreds of years old. It was um, really, really interesting. Wow. So did you have your own work? Not this year. I've had work in there in the past, <laughs> I should I should say. But it did yeah. inspire me to try and maybe do something. For next year? For next year. Cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah watch this space. It could be... <laughs> Could be something on. Well, a couple of other things I'll just quickly mention. There was just the prize-winning works were great. They were all in this centre called the Okar Centre, which is in the centre of town. It's like a gallery. There's a, a great work by Patrick Trissette, who's a Belgian artist, I think, who uh, works a lot with robotics and AI. But it's a it was like these school desks with these articulated arm robot drawing robots on them with mm. um, cameras. So I, I've been in a couple of shows with Patrick before, and it's He's, he's been working on these ideas for many years. This one's great because there's like a teacher desk with a teacher camera and a drawing and there's like 16 pupils and they have this kind of weird dialogue. So a little bit like you were talking Nina, about the Sims, they, they just make these kind of squeaky noises and they're not human at all, but they have this, you know, the camera's just like an eyeball kind of mm. moving around and they talk to each other. And then one of the, one of the children starts doodling on the pen and then suddenly all the others turn around and the teacher yells yeah, at him yeah, and the, yeah. the others turn around. So there's this whole performance, sort of robotic performance that was really, wow. really great. So I think they got an honorary mention in the, they have a category called AI, it's like AI and a life kind or bi- virtual life kind of thing. Mm. So a lot of biological works. The winner of the prize was an um, American artist, I think, who managed to synthesize the smell of sweat so you went into this room that was just stinky um, and it was supposed to represent the whole idea of human labor and it had all these t-shirts that were soaked in sweat, but all these kind of big 
vats that were chemically generating human the smell of human sweat. So it was pretty stinky. Wow. Stinky work. There's a lot of bio artworks, which I think for most people are hard to get your head around unless you understand the biology behind them because they're basically, they're kind of all the same. They're just these big <laughs> kind of glass things with lots of tubes coming out of right, them and right. kind of chemicals bubbling away in yeah, there and lots yeah. of tubes connecting other boxes with chemicals or living matter in them or mm. that kind of thing. So you do need to... You do need to read about them first, I think, to get the most right. get the most out of them. But you know, those works, are, I've seen a lot of those works over many many years. But there seems to be a bit of a resurgence in this kind okay. of bio yeah. art area. I guess it's maybe a bit of a reaction against the kind of computerized AI that to mm. remind people that there's still a biological life that's really interesting. And mm. yeah, is there <laughs> anything else we want to talk? Uh, I, I know it's kind of down to me because neither of you went. I so I, I have. <laughs> You send a message that you really liked. Um, is it Ada? Ida? Oh, no, no, no. I don't, think, I don't think John DA. said that. <laughs> that the, was one of your favourites, John. Is uh, that correct? On the contrary. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who don't know, it's is it AI dash DA Ida? Ada. Well, obviously, it's AI. Yeah, after Ada Lovelace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed, you know, so there's a big, big, lots of big signs saying the world's first AI drawing robot or something. AI artist. AI artist. Sorry. I'm sorry, but it's neither the first nor is it an artist. And it's, you know, it's like this, it's made like a woman. With and a young woman with like kind of semi-realistic looking skin, creepy. bit mm, creepy. Mm. So like, why? Why does it have to be a woman? And mm. why does she have to look like she does? I think they have a justification. I read the like some post yeah, about it. Yeah. Justification for why they decided to. It's it like does. yeah, in commemoration of uh, women. Yeah, I think that was a post hoc decision to yeah, try and justify it. Mm. And the art that it draws isn't that interesting. Mm. Patrick, does it do portraits no, of people? No. But I saw Patrick just said it does said, like weird cubist esque like complete sort of chaotic artworks, but it can't paint, so it also needs like wait, so humans what is to do. It kind of ends at the torso. The, <laughs> but wait, how does it make the? Does it, no, it has like a like an arm that's kind of like a drawing robot arm, but yeah. it like but it can't do paint. Like it, it can't do like the colors. I'm pretty sure. No, there's so lots of other people like who've done. Or something. Uh, yeah, so like there's like <laughs> so to complete the artwork that the this artist draws you need like three four other human what? collaborators yeah it's not a complete thing okay which was pointed out in this great review in the telegraph yeah there's a couple of reviews if you look online there's a review in the telegraph i think there's a guardian one as well that really yeah just rips into yeah Ooh, rips into I feel it. bad for them i no i don't because i heard from patrick uh he posted publicly on twitter so i can say this publicly that the guy who's responsible for it came and visited him and was asking all about how he did his... Because Patrick builds his own robots from ah. scratch and apparently he copied a lot of the ideas so the drawing part looks a little bit similar to Patrick Gisette's right. robots. Right. Even though Patrick's is completely diff different and, you know, in my opinion, much more artistic, mm. much more interesting. So there was a little bit of a claim of plagiarism. Wow. Mm. Yeah, this is very creepy. Like the way she looks, I don't really see the point to it. No. I think the point is to try and get people to invest or to, you know, to fund the project further. And because, so of course, if it's AI, it has to have human form. Yeah. And what better to have human form than a, a woman who's a mm. painter who can't just, actually paint? I, I feel like there's nothing cool about it. If you know what I mean? Like I feel like AI art kind of robotic stuff can be quite cool or just like futuristic, but this mm. is just like... Why? I don't know. The taste level is like not there. Yeah, it's also like the choice, the the artist part, right? Like those algorithms are, they're. Pr I'm pretty sure they're not like 
neural network creations, they're like pretty hard written algorithms. So it's taking an input and then it's those are getting transformed into an output. So it's a very like process that's, you know, being programmed in. Yeah. So, so like, you're saying it's not part, AI. I don't I don't want to make any claims on that because I don't know what algorithm it uses. But mm. talks and stuff as well, right? I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it talking. It okay. sort of moves around like a robot. It doesn't look here. I mean, that's the other thing that's this kind of, it's not even uncanny valley, valley territory. It's yeah. just like some servos with a latex mask and a wig on the top. Anyway, yeah, that's not really ripping we, that apart. All right. Well, we did. Yeah. We better left unsaid, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but it did get prominent floor space there. And yeah. Yeah. So, what was your favorite thing that you saw? Oh, good question. So in uh, the Oz Electronica Museum, they have this thing called Deep Space, which is this massive room with a um, whole series of blended projectors on the wall and the floor. And there was a work from one of the guys from uh, an old video art group called Granular Synthesis. Oh, I've forgotten his last name. Sorry, we're really hopeless with remembering people's <laughs> a lot names. Of names to remember, though. You There's can't really 500 works. I can't remember yeah, them all. I can't even works. remember the best ones. <laughs> Uh, but they can remember the worst though. Well, well, he was part of a group Hate called yeah. yeah. He was part of a group called Granular Synthesis, and they actually had one of their old works called Model Five, which is a fantastic piece mm. of video art in the depths of the post center in the post office. Yeah, thing, mm. which was great to see. You know, I haven't I hadn't seen it for like twenty years, and um, it's super intense. It's just a woman sneezing, but it's slowed down, and there's five. It's like it's like five copies of her, and it just kind of jitters, and you slowly work out that she's. I think she's just sneezing or doing something like a sneeze, mm. but it's got this really intense soundtrack, and it's it's beautiful work. Wow. Anyway, so one of the one of the group of people who was originally in that group had just done a new work, and it was very slow and meditative. It was in stereo and in, on this massive. So it's like going to an IMAX, I guess, is the closest parallel, right. but not quite the same. But it's also on the floor. And it was just like kind of very meditative and noise, but he'd also filmed ocean waves, but done something to them, like kind of time sliced them in a way that they didn't really look like ocean. They, they kind of mm. did, but didn't. And it's mm. all in stereo. So, and it had this just very minimalist soundtrack. It was, that was really interesting. I mean, I wouldn't say it was the best work of theirs that I've seen, but it was certainly really great to see presented in that format because it's kind of visually almost overwhelming in this, mm. this huge area. Wow. There was another beautiful work. It was these. It was in a little chapel outside the Ocar Centre. Uh, these two kind of glass bells, in a way bell-shaped pieces of glass that the artist had gone and collected silicon. It was sort of a reference. It had all these deep connections with AI and, but also sort of the impact of AI on the natural resources and that kind of thing. She collected the silicon and made these glass bells that with a little stick on them that oscillates and then some AI was trying to get them to sort of, it was a bit like the speaker work, they were two opposing each other mm. and they'd make a sound and the, they'd have to try and stop each other from going into to too high a resonance because they'd shatter and break. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of a little bit, it's it's not like super great when you hear that, they're just making a sound but the the kind of concept behind mm. it and the the location and everything was I thought was really oh, was really interesting great. work. Yeah, so I, I guess it shows. You know, they talked about the midlife crisis of the digital revolution, but it also shows the kind of maturity that works that use technology and including AI have now. Mm. And they're not the sort of mainstream ones that get all the you know like the four hundred thousand dollars at Sotheby's or whatever. Mm. But yeah. they're works that are actually deeply engaging with AI or using AI in a way that's not necessarily the only thing about the work. It's yeah. just part of what they're doing, but they're making, 
you know, really interesting social commentary or the work has a very kind of deep poetic aesthetic or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I think that was, that was really interesting That's to amazing. see. Yeah. There's, a, there's another one which is called Anatomy of an AI System. So lots of big posters yeah, around. So- is this the same thing that was just like online? It's everywhere at yeah, the moment. Yeah, it's great work to make because you can basically show as many copies as you want wherever you – it's not like you've got a – you know, it's not like some of these works with a lot of complex electronics or sculptural works yeah. that are kind of one-off. So, Wait, I don't know. You haven't seen it? This. No. It's, it's – uh, I, I forgot the name of the guy. He gave a talk at Ars Electronica, which was really good. Again, sorry about the names. This is really <laughs> terrible. But um, if you Google – if you just go to anatomy of an AI system dot – yeah, it's like a giant infographic. It's a big infographic, but right. it shows the, I think, is it for Amazon Alexa? All of yeah. the materials that go in. So, like, where all the fundamental elements from the, like, the geology of AI. So, of course, it needs uh, silicon, magnesium, cadmium, all of the, all of those metals right. that are, mi- they have to be mined from somewhere. Mm. And then it shows all of the human labor that goes into something that's supposedly meant to automate human labor. But right. it turns out that if you f- kind of follow the, the train far enough, yeah. there's a huge amount of human labor involved in creating something that's supposed to eliminate mm-hmm. labor. So, yeah, I mean, and you might be able to argue that, well, that's true of anything. So it's not just AI, it's just everything people make requires raw materials, requires, often needs to be mined from the, like it requires resources. So it's not, it's not revealing anything that wasn't true before AI, mm-hmm. but I guess maybe it just helps highlight the fact that people just think of AI as software running on a computer that's out of sight or it's just a thing on your desk, but mm-hmm. it, actually to get that thing on your desk requires a huge amount of resources. Yeah, I think we do underestimate the amount of human labor that goes into labeling like speech or images, like Mm. that just gets unaccounted for. Mm. Um, The amount of companies that are propped up, you know, all all of them work as contractors, are paid with, you know, not great wage, not great conditions, but all they're doing is just repetitive in and out, like labeling, you saying, okay, Google. So Yeah, so there was, I mean, there was a little bit of criticism that they didn't really address any big contemporary issues like climate change, although pretty much every talk had some aspect of that mentioned. And they also had the climate strike yeah, on had, Friday. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, maybe that criticism is valid in one sense in terms of the marketing and publicity, but in terms of the actual content that mm. was being discussed and a lot of the works addressed that, that issue as well. There was certainly a lot of discussion about it. All up, I think it was really interesting. It was the 40th anniversary, so they kind of pulled out all the stops for yeah. that, and that was that was great. There's so much going on. It was really overwhelming, but thoroughly rewarding if you really got into it. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, John. <coughs> all right. Good report. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's it for this week. So join us next time where we're going to talk about another topic. I don't know what. Are we gonna Are we gonna address the listener situation? Yeah, we have. We've received some requests for some topics, so we're gonna look into them and maybe try and do one of those next time. So, if you do have any suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover, please just send us an email or a tweet or get in touch with us, and we'll happily consider all unsolicited <laughs> requests. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>